For the second game in a row, the Bruins found themselves down by double digits and told us, oh, don't worry, Bruin Nation, we got this. They showed us the gusto to fight back in the second half and win it once again. Welcome in to Locked on Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley. You know where you can find me. I'm also on Fox Sports Radio, a co-host as well for the Bruin Insider Show, which airs on Tuesdays on the radio in Los Angeles. I do that with Nick Cope and UCLA basketball legend and longtime NBA veteran Tracy Murray. If you'd like to communicate with me, have some thoughts on the ascent of this Bruins basketball team, given, yes, they have won seven out of their last nine games, please please reach out to me. My email is LockedOnBruins at gmail.com, or if you feel more comfortable reaching out via Twitter, my Twitter handle is Brian Fenley. That is Brian with a Y, and then F-E-N-L-E-Y. And you're always welcome to... Subscribe to the show as well. There are so many different outlets that have podcasts. So many different places. Make sure that you become a regular digester of this program. I honestly believe that listening to this program on a daily basis, doctors have told me that this extends lives. So this is a doctor-recommended thing that you're going to want to add to your daily happenings on top of eating well and sleeping and doing all of that, the Bruin content on this show will enable you to have a healthy and long-living life. That is the kind of magic that we do here on Locked on Bruins. And speaking of what you are going to hear on this episode, from rewinding to the wind over Washington, pointing out all the key themes, the stuff that caught my eye, the turning points in the game. How about David Singleton's comments afterwards? They blew me away, and I'm going to share them with you later on in the show. I feel like you are going, if you haven't already been one of David's number one supporters, when you hear what he says, you are going to turn this guy into a fan favorite, although he already is, but just even more. Plus, Cody Riley, his emergence has been such a, a welcome reprieve for this team as they continue to show the guts and the physicality in the paint and just wearing down opponents in the lane has been so key to the Bruins' recent rise. And then we'll look at, with this win, what this does as it relates to the Pac-12 standings. I can tell you that UCLA is only, and I'm not making this up, they're only one game out of first place in the Pac-12 standings. The Bruins have five regular season games left before they get into the conference tournament. So there is so much of a log jam going on right now. It is like the, the 405 freeway as I like to describe this Pac-12 standings setup here with so much to be determined and really not a clear-cut number one. So that plays into UCLA's benefit. And then we'll finish off the show by pointing out some things the Bruins need to learn and could improve and get better at from what we saw in, in this game, this recent win against Washington, and how they hope to implement those said changes on the road when they go and take on Utah in Colorado this week. But I do want to begin with Cody Riley. And look, 
when you take over a program like Mick Cronin did, some guys get with the program faster than others. Some guys never get with the program. They transfer. Or if you notice, some of these guys, their playing time diminishes. So that can give you an indication of where you stand at times with where McCronin feels that you are as far as buying in. Not always the case, I should say, but, but a, a good hint. Cody Riley is someone we have been waiting to see this guy take over a game. Given his physicality, given his skill set around the rim, and we just hadn't seen it bloom yet from him under McCronin. Some guys had already begun to show that. From Tiger Campbell and his recent offensive explosion to Chris Smith becoming such a capable offensive weapon, his mid-range game against Washington made NBA scouts salivate. And you go on and you go on. And we'll get into David Singleton, obviously, on this show. And he had some key threes against Washington. But Cody Riley and his development, you felt and you were positive it was going to come where he would have these breakout games. You just didn't know when it was going to happen. I relate it to when you're going through puberty and you're a man and you never know when your voice is going to drop. You could be talking to your mom one second with a high-pitched tone. All of a sudden, you finish this sentence, Hi, Mom, how are you doing? That is basically how Cody Riley has come on this scene. We didn't know when it was going to come. But he kept playing. He kept doing his thing. And all of a sudden, the last two games, he has exploded offensively. And he was why we won this game. Now, I, I, I know that there are more than one or two or three factors that you could argue that enabled UCLA to beat Washington. But it was what this guy did in the paint. Because... Let's go back to the first half for just a moment. The Bruins started out this game with Washington, and UCLA was forcing turnovers. They weren't exactly hot from the field, I mean, as far as scoring and building up a lead. Then Isaiah Stewart, the big man for Washington, this guy is no doubt going to the NBA next season as a one-and-done player. He started really imposing his will and blocking shots late at, late in the first half. So the Bruins get on this scoring drought, and UCLA finds themselves down by seven at the half. Start of the second half, things don't change at the beginning. And Washington, not only are they owning the paint in the first half, but they're helping themselves get out to that seven-point lead by making threes. And they kept their hot shooting ways towards the beginning of the second half. Then McCronin says, I have seen enough. I can't take this anymore. He calls an early timeout in the second half. And that was the smartest decision that he made in this game. Because all of a sudden, what was at, at largest point, a 12-point lead for Washington late, or excuse me, early in the second half slowly started to be reduced and reduced and reduced as the Bruins kept finding ways to, to dig back into it by chunks, little by little. How did that begin? Well, it was Cody Riley, 
and the Bruins refocusing in getting the offense going through the paint. Mick Cronin brought up the word conviction. said, we got away from that when we started trailing. He said, I called that timeout early in the second half, and I told the guys, we got to get it in the paint. That is where our offense needs to start. Cody Riley got the memo. He scored 11 of his 15 points in the second half and frustrated Isaiah Stewart. Stewart gets himself involved in some foul trouble. Then you have the Bruins who start to play better perimeter defense. The three balls that were going down in the first half for Washington, they were not in the second half. They were There were at least two air balls from three for the Dogs, and then one was almost another air ball. So you nearly had three air balls from three-point range for Washington. And Isaiah Stewart was was met physicality-wise by Cody Riley. That was absolutely critical in this game because on top of dominating and starting to once again enforce his will did Riley on Stewart. I love the way Riley went right to Stewart, to the cup, not intimidated by his humongous presence, got to the foul line, and obviously made buckets inside. There's a stat that really shows you the difference here as far as getting the ball in the paint more in the second half and making that a priority. The Bruins in the first half, 2 of 5 from the free throw line. Second half, a whale of a difference. 16 of 18 from the free throw line. That is good for almost 90%. That is going to tell you how the game changed. What's also going to hurt if your cause, if you're Washington, and this is what Mike Hopkins said after the game, was too many turnovers late. And the Bruins defense, as we'll get into in just a moment, once again found its form in the second half. I felt that when the Bruins started pounding the ball in the paint offensively and finding some success there, that that revitalized the offense. And Jaden McDaniels and Isaiah Stewart not as effective in the second half. And that was true on the offensive end. And the Bruins started owning the glass, the offensive glass. You keep Isaiah Stewart to only 10 rebounds. And Mick Cronin voiced that as well. He said, look, if we can keep Stewart off the glass owning the rebounding war, then we got a chance in this game. And that's what the Bruins did. And once Riley started scoring, there was a contagious vibe to that as it uplifted the other players on his team. David Singleton started knocking down threes as the Bruins cut the lead and continued to trim it. And then McDaniels got blocked. Then Washington threw the ball away as they were driving underneath the hoop. There was great rotation defensively. David Singleton, and I believe this was the key to the game, or or the defining moment, I should say, of this game. David Singleton, as the Bruins are coming back, David Singleton gets the steal. The Bruins get into transition, which is what they want to do more of. That is a sign of growth right there. They want to produce more on the fast break. 
The steal leads to Chris Smith knocking down a transition three. And right then, the Bruins take the lead. And they never look back. Following that, right after that, Tiger Campbell gets the steal. Bruins get the basketball. UW compounds the problem by fouling. They forced, UCLA forced 18 turnovers, leading to over 20 points off those turnovers. Mike Hopkins, head coach for UW, said that was a tremendous issue for us and why we lost this game. Jalen Hill was probably the guy that salted the game away with an elbow J with about a minute left, made it a 61-54 to UCLA advantage, and they would go on to win 67-57. to David Singleton was so huge when you talk about three-point shooting for UCLA. And I, I, I started to think to myself, as the Bruins continue to rack up wins, what is going to stop them from, from continuing to do this? Well, it's a team that probably is going to be the most more veteran, more, more experienced. It's probably going to be a team that can't miss from three-point range. You saw what Washington could do when they started hitting those threes in the first half. They got out to a lead. The one thing that's going to get in the Bruins' way, or the two things, if you argue that, will, will factor into UCLA not being able to, to continue this, this just rapid source of improvement is if a team just gets unconscious from three-point range, which happened against Arizona State. And there's really not a whole lot you could have done in that game. And that's just kind of one of those blips on the radar for UCLA. And I, I try not to put too much stock in it. The other thing that is, is going to be the biggest test for the Bruins as they continue to, to finish up the Pac-12 regular season is going up against teams that are more veteran-laced. When I see improvement, I see the Bruins playing their best ball or better ball against more veteran teams. I was very impressed with the win against Colorado. Colorado was a team that fell at Poly Pavilion earlier this year. Colorado is the highest-ranked team in the Pac-12. They're 16th in last week's AP Top 25 poll. They are number one in the Pac-12 standings. They are also very experienced. A whole lot of upperclassmen that dominate the playing time on that team. So can the Bruins show that they can handle themselves well against that team on the road? That's going to be a next step. When we look at signs of, of big growth, we've seen a ton of them so far. But if you're looking for that next notch up for UCLA, it's can they beat an experienced top team on the road? Another experienced team that the Bruins had a hard time with was USC. The Bruins will get another chance at USC during the final game of the regular season for UCLA. So when you think about the next step here, okay, the Bruins can check that off. We know they're getting better. Now it's off to this. Can they check that off? Can they win on the road? Check. Can they mount a winning streak? Check. Can they take down teams that are just as physical as them? Check. Now it's can you take down a team on the road who has a lot more veterans, more experience across the board? 
That is what we're going to look for and hope that the Bruins are able to overcome as these last games come into the picture here for UCLA in the regular season. Coming up next, we will look at the Pac-12 standings as they sit right now. There is a whole lot of uncertainty as we get into the final weeks here of the regular season. Plus, we'll hear some of the very mature comments from David Singleton along with Mick Cronin following the win over UW this weekend. Let's sift through the Pac-12 men's basketball standings right now. And to say that there is no one team that has distanced themselves from the rest, that would be very true. You have Oregon and Colorado tied for first at 9-4 and four in the conference standings as far as their record in league play. Now, Colorado last week lost to Oregon, and Oregon was able to beat Utah on Sunday. So they are both 9-4. and four. The interesting matchup, one of the, the few critical matchups coming up as far as deciding how the conference standings shape up and have a big impact on how it will all look is that Oregon will play Arizona this coming Saturday. So you have Colorado, Oregon, 9-4. and four. Below them, Arizona is 8-4. and four. Arizona State, 7-4. and four. Below them, it's USC 8-5 and five, as they swept the Washington schools last week. And then UCLA is also 8-5. and five. Something good to note here for the Bruins. The five teams that are in front of them, UCLA in their five remaining regular season games will be playing four of those squads. They've got Colorado next week, or excuse me, later this week. The Arizona and Arizona State squads will be playing at Pauley in a couple weeks, and then the Bruins will wrap up the regular season at USC. So, so much is still up for grabs for UCLA. It's in their control. It's up to them now to do and handle business. But when you're looking at, well, what are, what are the chances the Bruins could finish number one, you like what they can do because they have... All of the teams in front of them, they will be playing. Now, the Bruins have to make the most of those opportunities, right? They have to win those games. Oregon is the only team that the Bruins will not get a second shot at in the regular season. But beyond them, it's all fair game. It's all going to come down to UCLA understanding the magnitude of these coming matchups coming up. And not only will they surge up the standings with winning these games, but then they will move the teams in front of them and push them behind them there's going to be so much excitement and drama as we conclude the regular season portion of the Pac-12 and then want to finish off this episode by looking at a couple comments that Mick Cronin said obviously we pointed this out earlier and these were loud and clear during the game but he said once the ball got into the middle of that zone against UW the game changed adding that if we didn't get the ball inside we wouldn't have ever come back in this game, adding that David Singleton's toughness has really helped us, saying he never pouts. And when you see one of your leaders not pout, then you as your teammate are not going to pout. There was a really interesting exchange in this game when David Singleton missed a shot 
in the second half, as the Bruins were mounting this comeback here and trying to take over the game, and Chris Smith, who has been wonderful as far as his offense and becoming a much bigger part in the scoring department, but he showed me something that we haven't seen a whole lot of. Leadership in coaching players around him. Chris Smith is a great guy. And if you haven't had a chance to meet him, I hope you do. He is a really neat guy. But he is also soft-spoken. And so when he does vocalize, it's like, whoa, Chris Smith? And there was a point in this game where he went over to David Singleton after he missed a three and basically just coached him up and said, keep shooting, keep shooting. Next time Singleton gets the ball from three, he makes it. These are the little things. These are the things that you don't see on the stat sheet. The leadership from players that were not in any way, shape, or form leaders before this season. And so when David Singleton makes these comments that I want to read to you verbatim, this is what really will show you how far this team has come along. Singleton said, quote, when asked about how do you define fun, on this team. He said, quote, fun is not jacking up shots and playing selfish defense. Fun is playing defense and helping out a teammate. Doing the little stuff that we won't show up that won't show up on the stat sheet, then the outcome will be fun. If that is not a dictionary definition of Mick Cronin coach speak and what he wants, I don't know what to tell you because that in a nutshell, is exactly what Mick Cronin is hoping every single one of his players think about what it's going to take to win. And not only are the players believing, Chris Smith said, we are beginning to believe more than ever before. But now the fan base is becoming less indifferent. Indifference with a storied program such as UCLA, is a very dangerous thing. And I think that Cronin is starting to steer us away from those waters. And that even the talk of the NCAA tournament has been thrown out there. Now, obviously, we still have a long way to go before being considered that. But if you look ahead to the schedule and the Bruins start winning those games, then the doubts continue to creep away. Here's what I liked. And that was another thing that David Singleton said was we can't be complacent because of this recent success. We can't go into teams' arenas and have the level of hubris like we just deserve to win now because we have this winning streak going on. You have to play like nobody thinks you're worth anything. And you have to take that fire, that competitive juice, and take it to each opponent. Play like you've never been one that has been complimented or, or one who has always been shortchanged and diminished and looked down upon. That's the kind of fire that this team needs to play with. They can't, and I don't think with Mick Cronin at the helm, he's going to let his players do this, but you can't become a prisoner to this success because then you will regress and have a relapse. And we don't want that because the level of urgency right now is so high that if you can continue to win, then you can continue to do things 
that you thought were impossible to be achieved when non-conference schedule ended. So you can break this thing down into two seasons. When they woke up and beforehand. And when I ask when they woke up, it's when was the turning point for this team? I have an argument as to when I think that was. I throw this out to you as well. When was that apparent for you? When did this team show you that they're not going to just revert back to their old struggles? That this was a team to stay? And a part of my conversation with you tomorrow will be when I think that turning point came. So that and so much more coming up for you tomorrow. Have a wonderful Monday. Please tell your friends, subscribe to this show. We've got the Bruin Insider Show on Tuesday as well. And so there is so much to quench your Bruin sports appetite this week. Appreciate you and your time. I'm Brian Fenley.